particular congregation. It's more than a given location. Church is a safe place, a place of purity of devotion, a place a place of refuge, a place of sanctuary, a place where the broken can be mended, a place where the hurt can be healed, a place where the sinner can find salvation. Church is not only a safe place, church is a sanctified place, a place of purity of devotion, a place of reverence and worship, a place uncontaminated by the uncleanness of the world. You're met with love at church. You're greeted with empathy from its constituents. You're introduced to grace from our Savior. And when you meet the Savior, you find grace and truth. Jesus, our Savior, the Word that was made flesh, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth equal Jesus Christ. Grace and truth, that's who Jesus is. Grace introduces truth and truth makes free. Truth works in partnership with grace. It's by His grace that we are saved. We're saved by accepting, believing, obeying His truth in faith. Truth without grace is, is to be pharisaically religious. But grace without truth is to remain in bondage. When grace brings truth and truth is acted on because of grace, new life is the result. To embrace truth and refuse grace is to remain incomplete. However, to embrace grace and reject truth is also to remain incomplete. But to take grace and truth, are y'all with me? To take grace and truth is to know without a doubt that whom the Son makes free is free indeed. What is grace? Grace is the favor, the goodwill, the undeserved goodness of God. What is truth? Truth is what is not concealed but is open and known. It is reality. It is the facts. Truth, His truth causes us to see the reality of our own unrighteousness and the wonder of His righteousness. Grace and truth join together to affect change in our lives. The most read, the most admired, the prophet that the nation of Israel today has a branch of their national museum dedicated to, the Prince of Prophets, Isaiah. He tells of experiencing in his own life, truth and grace as they converged. He didn't call it grace because Jesus introduced grace to us, but he brings to us the thought of when truth and grace converge in a life. He brings to us the story of revelation of the Almighty, and revelation of the Almighty led to a personal revelation in his life, but there was a reason for it. You see, God doesn't just reveal himself to us and then reveal ourselves to us just to be revealing. He doesn't pull the covers back from our life and expose how unrighteous we are just to embarrass us. When he shows us how great he is and in light of his greatness how inept we are, he's not doing that to lord it over our lives. There is a purpose to his revelation. He has a purpose. He has a reason. He has a plan. Isaiah gives that to us in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. Isaiah said that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord 
sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Isaiah said, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. He laid it on my mouth, and he said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Three simple things that are exposed to us in his story. Number one, obviously, was the revelation of the holiness of God. Number two was this revelation of the holiness of God led to the revelation of Isaiah's woefulness. When he saw God's holiness, he saw his woefulness. And he said, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But God doesn't show himself to us and show ourselves to us just to embarrass us. God wants to move into our life to make us prepared, to cleanse us, to purify us, and to send us on our way as and fulfilling the purpose that he has for our life. And so that led to, to the third thing, that he was cleansed, he was responsive, he was purified, he was commissioned. You see, truth is revelation. Grace brings truth, then works in tandem with this truth to bring about the purpose of God. Grace brings truth. And then works in tandem with this truth to bring about the purpose of God. you got to understand today that the work of God is balanced. It's grace and truth. I've been a pastor. This is my 30th year now to pastor. And as pastor, I reject the pharisaical policy of judgment and condemnation based purely on adherence to the law of God. But as pastor, I also reject the notion and belief system of a world that doesn't know God. The godless attempting to guide the godly is laughable. I find it laughable that godless people want to tell godly people how they ought to be. Get up out of my face. I'm following God, not your opinion. It doesn't matter if it's politically correct or not. I could care less what the world's opinion is. I want to follow the holy God, the mighty God, the one and only true and living God. You see, we live in an age, y'all, oh, it's time that we get up out of the shadows. It's time that we quit kowtowing to people that don't even know what holiness is. It's time we quit being intimidated by an ungodly world and realize a holy God moved into our life. You see, this age, this age hides in shadows. This age has advanced degrees in cover-ups. 
This age calls a sewage mindset the high road. This age rejects truth as being judgmental. This age delights in darkness and ridicules light. Peter wrote about this age in his epistles to the church and in his first epistle, the fourth chapter is short. I'm just going to read you the whole chapter. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1, Peter made this statement. He said, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind that he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Those of you that have ceased from sin, he said, no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. How many of you believe there is a turnaround in the life of a believer? For the time past of our life may, may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wherein, y'all with me? Y'all with Peter? He said, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of right speaking evil of you. They think it's strange because you don't do the same thing they do and the same things you used to do. They want to talk about you over, over the change that's made in your life. Let me tell you, let me tell you, he that the Son has made free is free indeed. You're not in bondage. You're not hell bound. You're not on your way to eternal destruction. You're on your way to the glory that God says awaits for a child of God. They think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this, is, for this, for, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, for every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you on their part. He is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters, or basically stealth Facebook. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now notice this. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. 
And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Back up to that 17th verse and look close at what Peter said. The time has come that judgment begin at the house of God. You see, his grace brought us in. His truth showed us light. Truth exposed sin and made us realize that we were sinners. And grace showed up and said, I can change that. I'll take care of that. I'll give you a new start and an eternal purpose. You see, God recently put it in my heart as he laid these things on my, on my mind and in my heart to bring to you in this I am subject that we've been dealing with. God recently put it in my heart that the distinction the distinction between the people of God and those who are not will become more and more contrasted. Light will become more and more distinct from darkness. Are y'all with me? The day is coming that the difference between the people of God and those who are not will become very obvious, very distinct the last prophet in the Old Testament Malachi made this statement in verse 17 of Malachi chapter 3 verse 17 verse 18 God's words were and they shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Today, as Peter said, judgment must begin at the house of God. Today is preparation time. Today is us becoming, through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God, us becoming that glorious church, that bride of Christ that is going to be presented to Him on that great day. That's why Peter has said, and we look at it again Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness." I've been talking to you on the thought of I am. The word I am is just simply, simply the word am, just the basic definition, the simplest definition is the word be. As in what Peter said there in that, in that verse 11 of, of, of 2 Peter chapter 3, what manner of person ought ye to be? What manner of persons ought ye to be in light of the times that we're living in? In light of the coming of the Lord, in light of what is going on in the world today. What we should be focusing on is what we read here in these few verses of Scripture. Peter poses the question, is my conduct holy and godly? Am I looking and longing for His coming? Am I diligent in my life with Him? Am I at peace with God? 
Every one of these questions, we ought to be able to sit here in these chairs and say, yes, 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 even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Am I diligent in my life with him? Am I at peace? Am I without spot and blameless? As Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware Lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I am, say it with me, I am. I am not just surviving, I'm thriving. I am not acquiescing, I am advancing. I am not Failing, I'm flourishing. That ought to be the mindset of a child of God. I'm not just going to get through this life and barely make it out of here. I'm going to walk out of here victorious over, over the powers of hell. I am thriving, I'm advancing, I'm flourishing, and I'm taking others to glory with me. I am a worshiper, and I will protect my worship. I will promote my worship. I am a warrior. I will stand, and I will contend for the faith. And I am a wayfarer. I am a pilgrim, not a vagabond, and this world is not my home. If y'all were here a couple of Sundays ago, I preached those three points. And we ended with my mom singing, just impromptu singing, This World Is Not My Home. It was funny because the praise team didn't know it. Most of them didn't because they're too young. But mom got up here and led out in that song, and pop was down in front. He's just, he's just carrying on, and I might as well not even have preached. That's, that's the way it is. I might as well not preach. Just let my mom sing, let Bonnie sing, and then flip it back and let this just alternate. But... This world is not my home. We understand and realize that we're here temporarily. And then, then we go on and we look at this thought of I am saved by grace. I'm sanctified by His Spirit. I'm settled in my faith. And we know that God's been working in our life long before we begin working in cooperation with Him. A long time before you decided to cooperate with God, God was already working on your life. Aren't you thankful for that? And today I want to leave you with this in these next few moments, these three simple things to take with you. I am knowing, I am growing, I am showing. I am knowing. Say it with me. I am knowing. In every genuine believer, there's a desire to really know the prophet Amos said in Amos 3.3, 3, Can two walk together except they be agreed? A desire is in the heart of every true believer. A desire to want to be in step with the Lord. To want our life to be in sync with Him. To desire that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable. In his sight, a desire. Our desire sets the course for our destiny. We say that we desire to know him, but we're really ready to know him when our desire becomes greater than our distractions. 
I'm only talking to the guys right now for the next 15 seconds, but guys, if we had worked as hard on our relationship with our wife or our girlfriend as we have our relationship with Jesus, many of us would be divorced or broke up by now. Desire is to strongly want something. And that's what we find in the New Testament. It's what we find from the followers of Jesus in the New Testament, and especially from Paul when he said, Oh, that I may know him. The Old Testament believers, it's manifested with what Moses said. He said, I beseech you, show me your glory. I want to know who you are. And to know Him is to understand Him. And as we understand Him, we learn to trust Him. And as we understand Him and learn to trust Him, we are able to say three things. I know that you are for me. I know whom I have believed. And I know that He is able. Paul brings us that. The one that says, oh, that I may know Him. Then he brings to us this thought that I know that you are for me. Child of God, do you know that today? Do you know that he's for you? Because some of you, I got a feeling as I'm standing here looking across this beautiful group of people, I got a feeling that some of you this very week have had the question in your heart and in your mind, God, are you, do you even know where I'm at? Do you care? What's going on in my life? I can't get my head wrapped around this. I don't understand. But I want you to know today without a doubt that God knows where you are. And God wants you to know that he is for you. In Romans 8, 31, Paul made it clear. He said, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written... For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then it leads us to that point. If we jump in with Paul and say, uh, we, got, we know that he is for us. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Paul can conclude it by saying, for I am persuaded. That just simply means I know that I know that I know. I've got it deep down in my heart. I may not be able to explain it with my mouth. I may not be able to tell you with clarity from my thoughts. But I've got this intuition that's deep down in my spirit. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, I know that you're for me. I know whom I have believed. 
let me remind you today that circumstances do not mean that you're out of favor with God. Circumstances do not mean that God is smiling especially on you. Paul says, I've learned how to do without. I've learned how to do with a lot. But what I've learned in all of this is that I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. It's not based on how little or how much I've got. It's based on who I'm connected with, and I'm connected with the King of glory. He's my source of strength. I know whom I have believed. And Paul's writing to Timothy, the one that he mentored. And he said in 2 Timothy 1.8, Be not... Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me as prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Now my dad has been my mentor. Y'all know that old guy. The guy that the older he gets, the bolder he gets. We turn him loose on y'all every Sunday morning. He's been my mentor. But he's never written me from prison. He's never written me from a, any kind of place like, like that. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, don't be ashamed of me. Be a partaker of the afflictions. Then he says in verse 9, God's called us. Who saved us? He's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto, and he's talking about the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. And because I'm a preacher, I'm an apostle, I'm a teacher, because of my calling, verse 12, I also suffer these things. I suffer the fact that I'm a prisoner, that I've been shipwrecked, I've been treated the way I have, I've been run out of town. Years ago, there was a mayor that when we started having certain things, thanks to Sister Melanie and all these guys that do all of that stuff, he gave me, a key, he gave me the key to the city. County mayor's not done that yet, but this one, city mayor did. And so we know what it's like to be in this community and have favor given to us in the community. It wasn't quite like that with Paul. And he said, because of who I am and the ministry that I'm in, I've suffered these things. Then he said, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. It's not about the accolades. It's not about the popularity. It's not about how life is treating me at this moment or what I have to go through. I've got a purpose. I've got a call. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God wants us to be able to say, I know whom I believe. I know that he is able. Paul's writing to the church in Corinthians, and he says, thank you all for praying for us. We had a very close call. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, inasmuch or insomuch that we despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. 
ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Paul gave the testimony we almost went out of life through what happened to us. But God delivered us. He is continuing to, de- de- to deliver us, and he is going to even yet deliver us. Here we find that God has, God is, and God will. We know that he is for us. We know in whom we have believed, and we know that he is able. The second thing is, I am growing. As he is preparing us for his return, we're growing in grace and knowledge by his spirit and word. Every lesson Every lesson we've learned and every test that we passed causes us to look more and more like Jesus. Every battle, every victory leads us to growing stronger in our faith, growing in grace and knowledge. Peter tells us, and I read you that scripture, let me read it again in 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also being being led away from with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We're growing in grace and knowledge. Not only that, we're growing up into him in all things. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you're growing up. been stated that pop's never going to grow up or never grow old pardon me pop's never going to grow old and david's never going to grow up that's a quote from my mom me or denise either one are going to grow up are we did y'all see that beautiful video of me and my sister cousin going sledding down the hill she only did it one time i kept doing it over and over again and believe it or not surprisingly i could move the next day Growing up into him in all things is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We're growing up into Jesus. I, I, I don't want to sound mushy this morning, but I've been reflecting over this the past few days. I'm staring at and I'm witnessing people that I'm looking at this morning that are starting to really resemble Jesus. I'm not just saying that. You guys are really resembling Him. We're growing up into him we're growing in faith 
I watch what's been going on here at First Pentecostal Church. And I have to plagiarize the words from Paul and directly apply them to this congregation from Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, but I want to say it to FPC. We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Growing in faith. And I look at y'all and I look at most of y'all and I, I, I see that. And those of you that I, I said most, I didn't say all of you because the rest of us are coming on board. We're, we're, we're moving into that area that I believe God is directing us into as we come toward the coming of the Lord. That our faith is growing exceedingly and our charity toward everyone is abounding toward each other. This is, the, this is how that the church is supposed to look. We love each other. Your faith is growing. Your love toward each other is abounding. And we give honor to you. And the third thing. I am showing. The life of a believer goes from being shown how to be to living a life that shows what he's been shown. Revelation comes and then we begin to reveal from our life what has been revealed to us. Glory to glory is how Paul worded it in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're going from being shown to showing what we've been shown. By showing, I mean going. Listen to me because this is the most important, I feel like, of all these things. Faith. Faith can't be seen, but the effects of faith are obvious. Faith can't be seen, but the effects of faith are obvious. I think Jesus smiled the day Peter got out of the boat to walk on the water to come to Jesus. If anybody knew the Word of God, Jesus knew the Word of God because He is the Word. And the Word of God tells us, Isaiah, I mentioned Isaiah a moment ago in Isaiah chapter 43. The Word of God tells us, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. He's talking about those storms and trials and things in life. And then notice this very real story. In Matthew 14, 23, Jesus had sent the multitudes away, and he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come... He was there alone. His disciples, which he had sent them on in the boat, in verse 24 of Matthew 14, the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, 
Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and he called him, and he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Some of you are there, right there. Some of us. Some of you in this congregation have said, Lord, I want to take a step by faith. Are you all with me? I want to take a step by faith. And you took a step by faith. And then things got really, really stormy. You took that step by faith and then all of a sudden, wow, you're not on firm ground anymore. You took that step of faith and said, I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out by faith. And what happens What happens is, is we begin to see the waves and we begin to focus on the storm. And we know the power of the surge. In preparation for this message, believe it or not, I was watching some little five-minute videos of powerful waves that can move massive boats. Boats that are bigger than this building, ships that will hold the population of Lexington. It's kind of like when you were little kids playing in the bathtub. I guess all of us were normal growing up. We all took baths. And those boats in the bathtub, and y'all remember the day that you could just move back and forth, back and forth in the bathtub, and you could call tsunamis. And then Mama would come running in there. We used to take, me and Danny would take baths together. Probably me and Dwayne have taken baths together. It's been a long time ago, y'all. There's five of us. Five boys. You can't all just take five individual baths. And you'd be playing in that bath. Me and, me and John David and Danny been in the tub together. A long time ago, y'all. And you're sliding back and forth, sliding back and forth. And here comes Aunt Nita. Aunt Nita was sweeter than my mama was. Aunt Nita would come in here and just yell, boys, y'all better, y'all better stop it. Mama would come in and beat all of us. They'd come in and there'd be more water on the floor than there was in the bathtub. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And y'all know what it's like to get in the tub and create those waves in the bathtub. And those little boats, those little rubber duckies. Everybody had a rubber ducky. Would just reel and rock in the waves. And I thought about that because the mighty waves that can toss the largest ships like toy boats in a bathtub. Peter stood, Peter stepped out and he walked out on the water, and all of a sudden he begins to see the waves. I believe Jesus smiled when Peter stepped out of the boat 
And I believe Jesus continued to smile as he looked at him and says, where's your faith? Psalm 93 verse 1, the word of the Lord said, the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. The Lord hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. But the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. The testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thy house, O Lord, forever. You can walk on the water because he controls the waves. He's greater than the storm. So let your faith show. We're showing. Let your faith show. Musicians, come on back. We're showing by going. Going in influence. And I want to want you to get your head wrapped around this and let the Lord speak to your heart. I want you to hear this. We sing a song. That has the lyrics. The lyrics to this song. When you walk into the room. Everything changes. When you walk into the room. Everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble. At the light that you bring. And when you walk into the room. Every heart starts burning. When nothing matters. More than just to sit here at your feet and worship you we love you and we'll never stop we can't live without you Jesus we love you and we can't get enough all this is for you Jesus look at this when you walk into the room sickness starts to vanish every hopeless situation ceases ceases to exist when you walk into the room the dead begin to rise because there's resurrection life in all you do the message behind that praise song to the Lord is that the presence of the Lord changes atmospheres but I want you to hear this y'all with me the presence of the, presence of the Lord changes atmospheres whether it's Him in person or it's Him in a person. Y'all didn't get it. The presence of the Lord changes atmospheres. Whether it's Him in person or it's Him in a person. You got to start understanding that if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, when you walk into a room, Jesus shows up when you're filled with the spirit of God it's time to begin realizing who you are as a child of God because this world doesn't need any more cowardly Christians that want to hang out in a church building what this world needs is those that leave a church building filled with the spirit of God overcome by the power of God and walk into the restaurants in about 45 minutes walk into the store walk wherever you are and you change the very atmosphere because of who is in you the very presence of God, whether it's Him in person or it's Him in a person, changes 
the atmosphere. It was to the point in Acts chapter 5 verse 14 that the believers were the more added the Lord or added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. The influence of the presence of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost driving me right now. Whether it's Him in person or it's Him in a person, the influence of the presence of God changes atmospheres. Paul said, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding, Ephesians 3, to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end Amen He was glorified in the early day church in the book of Acts but His church He's going to be glorified in His church in every age It's not just the first century and it wasn't just at the turn of the 20th century It wasn't just at Azusa Street. It wasn't just relegated to certain locales. The church of the living God has been destined to bring glory and honor to the Lord in every generation and in every location that there is an apostolic church. And we've gone from knowing to growing. It's time to go into showing. And by showing, I'm just simply say, as you go, realize that the presence of God changes atmospheres, whether it's God in person or God in a person. Do you realize who you are today? Do you realize that you are an ambassador on this earth for the Lord? Stand with me right now. We go from knowing and not knowing that we don't know to knowing that we're lost and to know that we need a Savior and from knowing that need of a Savior to knowing how to live for God to know how to go from knowing how to live to growing in our faith to simply get to that place that we're going we're showing whereas the early church was when they walked into the temple, Peter and John says, I don't have silver and gold, but such as I have, give I thee. We're going to sing this song. We're going to sing this when you walk into the room. You guys, we understand and we know the power of our Savior. But do we understand and do we know that we're here directly representing our Savior where we are right now? We are ambassadors. We are here for a reason. If God wanted you to be in an easier time in history, you could have been there. But you're here for such a time as this. And God is wanting us to realize who we are. We're knowing. We're growing. We're showing. We're going in the love of God. Oh, I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to do a commissioning work in this place today. 
Would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Would you lift your hearts when and your you hands to the Lord? When you walk into the room, hallelujah, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light you bring. When you walk into the room, every heart starts burning. Nothing matters more than just to sit here 